Defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Welcome back to the IDP Heat Seekers show. Like a good 80s song, you just can't get us out of your head. We are back for another great night of IDP content. We are going to be talking about our top 10 linebackers for 2022. It's a redraft focus show, but when you think about top 10 linebackers, you can do with it as you will. As always, I am joined by two of the greatest minds in fantasy sports, Austin and Craig. How are you, my friend? How is baseball season treating you? How is everything going in your world? We uh, had some hailstorms earlier with thunder and all that sort of fun stuff. So that was fun to go through with the kids, but all that's cleared up knock on wood. So doing all right now. How are you doing, Austin? Pretty good. No hail here, no bad weather. It's just sun and heat. But it's a good day. Good Monday. Glad to be here again. And this show is going to be fun. This is like going to be one of my favorites. And probably one of the easier ones. We're talking top 10 linebackers. It's not. Uh, there are some conversations, I think, at the latter half of this that'll be fun to have, maybe about the guys we didn't put on or things like that. So this time of year, we're getting to OTAs are wrapping up for everybody, and we're getting to that kind of quiet time before the storm of training camp. So it's the perfect time with redraft season fast approaching to help people get ready to be looking at and building their lists and getting their IDPs ready. So Hopefully tonight's linebacker conversation will help folks figure out and be ready for the flurry of redraft season. And hopefully you guys can get some of these top tens. And But I want to start the conversation out with, and I like to reiterate it like on all shows, know your league scoring. That's a Craig favorite right there because I know he's, he's good at telling us, make sure you remember your league scoring. But when do you guys, when you're in your in redraft, do you treat redraft any different than a dynasty startup? When are you taking IDP, your top IDPs, which tend to be linebackers or defensive ends? Austin, I'll start with you. When would you think that you would start taking those? And are you treating it any different than a dynasty startup? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I would in terms of like how I rank my players, of course. But as far as how I'm drafting, Yes, I would probably take the defense a little bit later, like you would in like Dynasty for quarterbacks, right? So even if it's like Superflex redraft, generally you're going to wait a little longer on those guys than you would for like Dynasty. So you get the same effect with IDP players, but not too much. Nothing crazy for me. What about you, Craig? What do you think? Do you handle these types of drafts differently? Yeah, for redraft, I'm much more open to recycling through guys. And if they're not performing and I don't see any sort of turnaround coming this year just feeling free no matter how old or young they are to just chuck them to the waiver wire and redraft whereas in dynasty you usually have those tiers that are more populated by the younger guys that you're hoping i would think if you're drafting them you're going to be with you for a while or you can get a huge return on investment because they say players are never going to be as cheap as they are during the draft for you so i'm more apt to take a young defensive player that i like earlier in dynasty with the hopes that hey micah parsons for example is going to be my cornerstone where in season long leagues only you can find guys streaming a lot easier i think probably at most of the positions linebacker especially since that's what we're talking about here tonight and then you can just rotate them through and there's always going to be those alex singleton type guys or 
your Broncos middle linebacker of the week last season that you can just cycle through to get a decent amount of points from and then move on to the next guy if you like to match up better or whatever. I like it. I looked back at a couple of redraft IDP leagues that I did last year, which is what kind of brought me to wanting to get your opinions on that question. It looked like I didn't start taking IDPs before like round 10 was about the earliest I started touching IDP. We're normally in a dynasty startup. I'm normally around the kind of mid fifth to mid sixth round where I'd start taking them in dynasty. So I just want to throw that question out there and get a feel for that because I think it'll be beneficial to people that watch the show at some point, knowing when to start targeting those in a redraft because you don't want to overspend. Funny side note, before we get to the linebackers themselves, my I rebooted a home league with a bunch of guys from back home in the Metro Detroit area, and we started our draft a week ago, and guys were taking IDPs. In the rookie draft, they took IDPs in the first round. Like, two IDPs went in the first round. I was like, I posted it in our group, each I said, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. You should not be taking IDPs this early. How dare you guys? And just go and give it a little, busting some chops because... It was crazy. But then even in the rookie draft, guys were drafting them in the in the early fifth, I think late fourth, early fifth. I'm like, guys. Uh, so I sent our rankings from rotoheat.com out. I said, listen, this is my rankings. I don't care if you snipe me on every pick, but stop dra- over early drafting IDPs when you don't need to. And it wasn't like they were taking the elite. They were taking older elite players. I'm like, no. I wanted to roll the newspaper like bad manager. So uh, and and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm okay taking people's money, but I you know I, I don't want to feel like I'm stealing, right? So I'm you know so I put all the all the information on the table. But that being said, redraft IDP is fun because, like Craig said, you can cycle through guys, and and it and it really isn't a big isn't as big a deal because you can fix it week to week if you if you run into issues. So that is a, a huge huge point, Craig. So first up on the list, and I later in the show, I'll show a graphic, but I don't want to give away all 10 so quickly. First up on our list is going to be Roquan Smith, linebacker of the Chicago Bears. And fun fact, PFF grades really don't equate to fantasy value. So just an FYI, I looked at his PFF grade, and it was he was like the 64th ranked linebacker last year. I was like, well, a top five fantasy linebacker ranked that low is awesome. So Craig, talk about Roquan Smith, what you like about him, what you, what you project him. Too. And I think if I looked at our list correctly, I think you and I were both pretty high on him. Where Austin, I think, had him at like two, or we had him at like one or something. As far as I know, you hit him at two, and Austin and I each had him at one. Oh, is that how it was? I believe so. It up of course, I, so, I can't yeah. read. So, Roquan Smith is my one, and Jordan Brooks is my two. Uh, we'll get to that later, but I'm bringing up sort of related points with there's going to be opportunity. I don't see the, either one of them being on a high powered offense. And as far as known commodities, they're sort of it as far as their linebacking groups. So they're going to be sort of those, if you think back 10 years, there were tons of those linebackers that were constantly on the field, sort of those three down guys that were just going to eat up tackles. Some of the league was more run heavy. You just don't have as many guys just on the field for that high 90 snap share anymore, even at linebacker. So when you can get one of those guys that you know is going to be on the field a lot because of getting the offensive issues, He's proven that he can do it consistently throughout his career, and he just doesn't have a little bit of the concerns that I have for some of these other guys lower down on the list. That's who I'm looking at. So Roquan, um, just because he's proven a little bit longer than Jordan Brooks, is my one. Austin, what uh, what do you what do you make of Mr. Roquan Smith, and and is there anything to add to Craig's great commentary on him? Yeah, I'm with pretty much everything Craig said so far. I mean, you know, the reason 
yes, you love his situation. Yes, you love the snap share, but I think that's a testament of, you know, what he's doing on the football field, which is, you know, he's, he's there making all the tackles. He, he can make the big plays in the backfield, get to the quarterback. He can play well in coverage. He can run people down. I mean, he, he really kind of does it all for the bears defense. And uh, you know, I think that is what makes him such a great linebacker is not only just the opportunities he gets to snap chairs and all of that, but just the way that he's utilized. I mean, he really is the focal point of that defense. So he can, you know, he's got a lot of different ways that he can rack up fantasy points for you. And in that regard, yeah, I definitely have him as my number one as well. There were a ton, there are a ton of really great linebackers in the NFL right now. And of course we'll get to those, but to me, none really stand out more than Roquan and just how complete his game is. Uh, he's going to be a really good fantasy asset for a long time, whether that's, you know, redraft or dynasty. He, he's, he doesn't seem like he's going anywhere anytime soon. So easy choice well, for me. Well, and even with, you know, bringing a new coaching staff, I think it puts him in just as good a position, you know, because you're going to see him just used in so many different ways. I mean, and, and the projections that you saw there, I mean, that was just from MFL, whatever you'd want with that, you know, the stats from the previous years and then their projections. I mean, how do you not project this guy to just, you know, have just a stellar year. I think he finished as like LB four or five, depending on your scoring format. And and there really should be no reason that he isn't, you know, up there again. But I think it's a testament to how good linebackers have been producing for fantasy here recently. I mean, because, you know, we'll be talking about guys like Jordan Brooks and Fred Warner and some of these guys that, you know, make up the top 10. And there's and you could make the case for so many other guys pushing up into the top 10. Uh, so, you know, if you don't hit on a guy like Roquan and you can't draft him early, there's still plenty of value to go, but expect him to to be able to do it all. Like you guys said, I expect him to get some pass breakups, obviously tackles for loss. He'll sprinkle a couple interceptions in there, probably get a couple of sacks. I mean, it's that's just really, really good production from you know your LB1, and you really can't match that. I mean, a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about, they – have you know high tackle upside or this or that like they may not be well-rounded Roquan's pretty well-rounded outside of Marka Parsons who's another guy that we'll talk at right here uh, you know those guys are kind of just the the top tier in my mind the two that you want to have uh and yeah I do I did notice I do have him at two and you guys have him at one it's part Parsons was my one only because man that dude is just insane I mean like they put him on the line and yes he struggled at times because He's not really a hand-in-the-dirt guy, but he did it just fine. I mean, what do you guys, now that we're transitioning to our number two guy, Micah Parsons, What is there something that differentiates the two? So you guys had Roquan at two at one and Parsons either at two or three. What differentiates Roquan from Parsons in your guys' mind? I'll start with you, Craig, and go back to Austin. Parsons role is always going to be consistently used throughout the years a little less defined for me and if you look at what he had stats wise i'm pretty sure parsons had more sacks last year than he had in his two years at penn state when he played combined because of course he didn't play his last year the 2020 season he didn't play due to the COVID thing and he had like 20 tackles for a loss 13 sacks something like that I don't think he's going to replicate those numbers because I think they're going to need to use him more as a linebacker. Now, he's still going to get some stacks. They'd be crazy not to move him around the field and use him, you know, as, again, one of those defensive chess pieces, queen type that you can just move all over because he can do all of it. But I think they need to use him more. If you look at the state of that linebacking core compared to what they have done on that defensive line, they've added a lot of young guys. You know, there's some depth pieces that they like sort of a defensive end. So, again, if we assume people are healthy because we don't try to predict injuries. Yeah, Leighton nope. Vander Esch, Jabril Cox, 
Luke Gifford, and then some guy I'm forgetting his name. There was a 2021. Simone Clark. No, I'm, I'm getting to the rookie. There's like oh, four oh, or five oh. rookies, but then there's another a guy that's going to be his second year in the league. That was a straight free agent. So they have like three guys that have any real playing time and a whole bunch of rookies, essentially. They need to have Parsons, unless they're going to do something else, play that traditional more linebacker role than he did last year. And So I you think expect him you to dip in sacks. From last year, I don't think you're going to see that same level of sacks and tackles for a loss, which really boosted his scoring in most leagues to make him, you know, a top three, top five guy in most leagues. Tackle-wise, it just wasn't there comparatively to your other top linebackers. Okay, so what about you, Austin? What uh, what differentiates Smith and Parsons for you? Well, for me, it's really short answer is just preference. Honestly, I mean, if you look at where he's ranked consensus and you know among us, it's top three. So we're kind of splitting hairs here on you know, where he could go. If he goes one, if he goes three, I don't hate it either way. You know, I think it just kind of depends on where you see him and how you see him being used. But you know, I will say. A little bit to Craig's point that he is used a little bit differently, but that defense also operates a little bit differently. Differently, so I do think you know the loss of Randy Gregory is going to create a need for some presence off the edge, maybe some presence up the middle, and we know Micah Parsons to, uh, based on last season, to be the kind of linebacker who can you know get to the quarterback rushing the passer and be able to create generate those sacks and tackles for losses and things. And I think the Cowboys, you know, that they deploy him that way intentionally. I don't think that that was just, you know, uh, an accident last year per se. I definitely think it was by design. And I think they'll probably go back to that and continue to do it. Like we said with Roquan, I think, you know, I think Micah Parsons is pretty good in coverage. I don't know that I would say he's as good as Roquan maybe, but he's pretty good. But I definitely think he does a lot of things really well if the tackles are there this year. Like he could, you know, even if he's used differently, like he's the kind of linebacker that he's going to get that snap share. So he could potentially rack up more tackles while also having some regression in sacks and tackles for losses and still be just as productive. So, you know, depending on how your scoring is, like Craig said, could kind of dictate maybe where you put him, if you'd put him at one or if you'd put him at three, but, I mean, for me, he's he's really close. He should be up there, and he's an excellent linebacker. He's, you know, if not for redraft, age doesn't matter, but he's a young guy. You hope he can stay healthy, just like all these guys. But, you know, in that regard, I would probably, you know, consider him to have a little more value even in redraft just because he's young and he's going to be fresh and ready to go. Well, and and to for my point on him, it's hard for me when I look at what Dallas has a defensive line you know, obviously they brought in some young guys. Uh, was it uh, Sam Williams, Big Cat Brian, and and some younger players? But then when you look at what they're going to try to put across from Demarcus Lawrence, I mean, it's Dorrance Armstrong, who's a, as a young guy, was a second, third year guy. Then Dante Fowler. You know, that's not enticing to me. And then Terrell Basham. I mean, they they have these guys that Parsons is better rushing off the edge than most of the guys that I mentioned outside of Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, you can make the case that Dorrance Armstrong, they're going to want to continue to keep growing because they seem to like him. I just don't, in my mind, if you're rushing the passer and you want to get somebody off the edge that can really you know, be a game changer, I mean, Parsons can do that. Now, obviously, they drafted him as a linebacker, so you got to expect him to, to play more snaps there because he's also their best linebacker. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think he had something like 550 snaps-wise from the, the linebacker position 
or inside uh, what does PFF call it in the box or whatever. And then he had, you know, 300 plus snaps from the D line. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he still had a healthy amount of snaps rushing from the edge. And if so, you know, I don't know that I I'm, I'm with Craig. I don't think I expect him to get double digit sacks this year, but I think that he could still get a fair amount of them uh, rushing from the edge, you know? So if he still gets up somewhere around six to 10, sacks you know uh to go with a lot of the other stat production that we anticipate tackles and things like that he's still going to be you know i mean we're splitting hairs like you guys said but i'm just i think both of these guys are really exciting and if you they're your top linebacker on your redraft roster then you feel pretty good about it each week i will say mm-hmm. one last point about micah parsons is you know talking about Dorrance armstrong and some of the guys that they are replacing on that defense and who they're deploying is you know, I do think that Mike, Micah Parsons is a transcendent player. A lot of times, you know, you talk about how good these guys are. Is you you have players who are elite, and then you have players who are transcendent. And I would say for Micah Parsons, he's one of those guys who is transcendent. He he elevates everybody's game around him. It, the way he's a you know, he's able to be effective in so many different ways that it just naturally kind of makes the defense around him better. And I think you know you saw that when you look at what the Cowboys' defense was and. and 2020 and then what it was in 2021 i mean it was just a leaps and bounds better it was fun to watch quite frankly and you know a lot of that goes to credit goes to michael parsons craig you were gonna say yeah i mean last year they had to use them because they had more depth at linebacker of proven players than they did you know at defensive end when they had all those injuries just hit across the line i mean he had 40 percent of his snaps on defensive line last year and it sort of switched where they have Maybe it isn't the best depth in the world, but they have better depth across that defensive line if it's healthy this year compared to that linebacking group where it's like, I mean, literally him and Vander Esch are the only two that had like more than 25 snaps at linebacker last year for this team because Gifford and Jabril Cox each had like, you know, 20 or under. So if you're comparing that and then you're looking at, okay, it's a linebacker, so you're going to have to be playing this game of tackles probably to get most of the production because we're not talking edge guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, Parsons had 84 combined tackles last year, and that's almost 20 fewer than Roquan had in his worst year in the league. He had eight, Parsons had 84 solos, and Roquan's never had that few. And you're talking about a guy that's hit 139, 163 combined tackles the past two years. So, I mean, that's just where the differentiation is for me. If I'm taking someone in Dynasty, am I probably taking Parsons over him because I'm a Cowboys fan? And I can make that excuse that, hey, you know, they're both elite talents. I'm going to take the guy on my team. Yeah. So, just for redraft, I'm going to go with what I feel is more the sure thing from that linebacker position to get me those tackles that I can count on week in and week out where – I'm hoping the Cowboys still use them all over, but I think they need to use them just how the team is built at that linebacker more, which I think is going to reduce some of what we saw in that production last year. Sorry, we got an Amber alert. Emergency. Yeah, an Amber alert, it looks like. Oh, no. Severe thunderstorm warning in our area. Uh-oh. Even worse. Well, maybe the storm's named Amber. So. <laughs> well, hopefully it doesn't storm too bad because... Then you'll see me disappear. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is, is Mike Parsons needs to be on the block in any league I have him with you because your homerism will make you want to buy him. Eh? No, I don't. I don't go out of my way to get Cowboys. If it's a startup draft, sure. But I don't. Even on offense, whether no matter who it is, I just don't take them because uh, when the team does poorly, then it's a double whammy for me, and I get mad at them enough. And when they do poorly in real life, if it's affecting my fantasy team, then it just ruins it even more. So. 
I have very few Cowboys across my teams. Understandable. I have very few lines, but that's for different reasons. It's slightly different. <laughs> All right. So next up, we're going to talk Darius Leonard, linebacker, Indianapolis Colts. Now, obviously, the next two are really close. Jordan Brooks and Darius Leonard are right there in our in our rankings. Darius Leonard is one of those guys that that it feels like at any any given season he could pop off. But Austin, I want to start with you. What what do you think about Leonard? What do you think about? I mean, you know, so they made additions to hopefully a more stable quarterback to maybe keep the offense moving more so that do you think that would potentially affect a guy like Leonard do you have any concerns that the offense maybe is on the field more so the defense isn't going to be on there as much like what what do you make of some of the things they've been doing as a team and how do you feel about Leonard you know specifically this year uh well Leonard he's still going to be a big play guy and of course as long as he's healthy and on the field he should be productive he's another one of those guys who is you know I don't know if I would call it safer but it almost sounds like Craig may prefer more of the the safer guys, guys who are on the field more, guys who are going to rack up more tackles and have more sort of guaranteed stats with the sacks and tackles for loss sort of being you know elusive at times. But for Darius Leonard, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be one of those safer guys. But he also does have that big that big play potential where you know he's able to force fumbles and get interceptions and drop back into coverage and do different things. So yeah, I'm not really worried about what the offense is doing for him as long as he's on the field and he'll be on the field a lot because you know unfortunately the colts you know they don't really have a great defense or a really great linebacking core we'll see what they do with their defensive line this year you know how those guys improve but i expect darius leonard to kind of have a similar role he's kind of just locked in as one of the top five linebackers in the league right now uh, i would say there is it kind of feels like there's a little bit of a tear break for me there between like roquan and micah but i don't know because Jordan Brooks is pretty good too. Just maybe a slight tear break there between what he and some of these other linebackers on the list are doing versus what, you know, guys like Micah and Roquan are doing. Mr. Craig, what do you think? So my concerns with him is that, you know, over the course of his career, uh, the four seasons, his best year by far was his rookie year. And if you look at some of those big plays, tackles for a loss, sacks, those things have gone down, if not each of the past years, it's been gone down, plateaued, and gone down. Like, it hasn't gone up since his rookie year. And it's the same thing with, if you look at his solo tackles, basically, and combined, solo tackles certainly have been sporadic compared to his first year, you know, 111, 71, 86, 75. He had some injury issues in 2019, 2020, and it sounds like he was hurt last year. He's had, I think, almost like three different things he was trying to get cleaned up this past offseason because he had an, a calf issue that was being affected by his back. So he had back surgery and there was something with his ankle. So they're expecting him to be back and ready to go for training camp. But I always do put more caution, especially in redraft on a linebacker or anyone in general, I guess, that's having back issues because your back and your head are those two things that it's really hard to uh, to come back from if you're going to have a serious issue with them or a lingering issue even, you know, like concussions, you get one early, does it linger? And you have a higher risk of getting one again. Same thing with your back. If your back's not right, it's going to affect everything for how you play. So, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there that surprise them where we have Micah Parsons on this list, and I have him excuse me, Darius Leonard, I mean, because we're talking about Darius Leonard. I have Darius Leonard at five, which I think is lower than a lot of people would probably think. But those sort of concerns is how his production has gone and the injuries. And with that production piece, they do have another linebacker there that has been productive for, you know, being on the field, Bobby Okariki, who I know uh, 
brand you'd liked a couple years ago and mm-hmm. showed up and got some production. So it's not just all going to fall on him anymore, sort of like it did that rookie year. So I still like him a lot, but he's definitely in a second tier here from I don't even know where I don't have my list up in front of me this exact moment, but he's not in that very tippy top tier for me for redraft right now. Rotoheat.com if you want to see where we rank him. <laughs> for me, it's I think he's going to produce better than he did last year, right? And last year I think he was like a top somewhere between the five to eight range when it came to overall linebacker rankings in fantasy. He didn't I don't think he had any sacks last year. Like some of the big plays we just didn't see. So some of those that give you kind of a nice bump each week. I would expect him to get at least closer to his worst season. You know, when he had like three sacks a couple yep. years back. I would expect to see him have some sack production, have a little bit of something else to go with it. So that was what put me in the point where I'm like, okay, I think I want to have him somewhere in the three to five range. And then as I was kind of going through my top 10, I was like, this feels right. Him, him kind of sitting around here. I like the player. I like the fact that I think he's going to bounce back in a, in a better way, even if he doesn't necessarily produce, you know, the strong tackles like his rookie season, because we know, that so far at least at this point that appears to be the anomaly right he's not produced that well since so obviously we have to think okay he's going to be under his best season probably somewhere between his worst season and kind of in the middle if we're looking for the median so that's still you know top five to seven production so i don't mind having him at the four or five spot in you know in in our redraft rankings for the year because he's he's probably going to produce somewhere in the in the range of you know the fourth best linebacker to the sixth or seventh best linebacker I mean, that would be my guess. So no complaints here. Next guy would be Jordan Brooks from Seattle. This is a team that he should be on the field for a lot. I mean, you know, so far at this point in the offseason, they don't have a legit starting quarterback. They have Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Oh, so come on now. The offense is not going to be as strong as it's been in previous years because neither one of those guys is dangerous. So it's going to be interesting to see how much the linebackers or how much the defense is on the field what effect that has on them because that's going to you know it's going to cause a lot of extra work for some of these guys in situations uh, depending on how this offense kind of maneuvers if they lean more on the run maybe not so much but jordan brooks still is predicted to be you know kind of one of those top linebackers austin what do you think about jordan brooks and and how do you feel about that kind of that defense as a whole so this could be the year that Jordan Brooks really puts himself in contention to be talked about in one of the top five linebacker categories. I mean, we've liked Jordan Brooks for a while. Like Jordan Brooks was a thing last year, not quite as much, but he showed out and he looked really good. And I think everybody is realizing, Hey, like this kid really can play. And yeah, to your point, he's going to be on the field a lot. You know, the offense isn't very great. He does kind of create some concerns about, you know, you're on the field that much, then, you know, are you, uh, are you, are you at any kind of elevated risk for somehow to not be on the field, whatever that might be you know, injury, I guess not predicting injury, but it is a concern, you know, being on the field that much. And then especially, you know, looking at that defense and what is going to be asked of him kind of similar to a guy like Micah Parsons or a guy like Roquan Smith, maybe a little bit less so with Roquan, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning, you know, but in the same token, you could say, you know, he's going to have 
more than enough opportunity to make those plays that you need him to. He's definitely should have a good floor on tackles. I'm not sure that his, you know, sacks or, you know, tackles for loss or anything like that are just going to be outstanding, but I definitely think his tackles, you know, will be there and, and his usage will be there and he deserves to be in the top five. Honestly. I mean, you're looking at the list, there's plenty of guys on this list below him that, you know, you can, you're going to have these certain question marks about, but for him, he seems to be one of the most secure and safe picks. You know, if I'm picking a top five linebacker, he's probably going to be one of the guys that's absolutely making that cut. Mr. Craig, what are you thinking about him? Yeah, I have him at number two on here. Um, this stat line last year, 170 combined tackles, 93 solo, 77 assists. That is the guy that left the team. That's Bobby Wagner, who's no longer there. Even with Bobby Wagner there putting up that stat line last year, Jordan Brooks had 184 combined, 109 solo tackles. And that is to Brad's point with that better offense, even though it was a mess at times. They're going to be on the field more, I think. And we'll see what Cody Barton does or whoever else they bring along. You know what Seattle's been able to have two fantasy-relevant linebackers perform at a high level for a number of years, and I think we're going to continue to see that. I have zero concerns with him being that number one guy after what we saw last year with Bobby Wagner on the field because we're not, regardless of what Cody Barton is, I'm putting my uh, stamp down on uh, saying that Cody Barton is not going to be Bobby Wagner 2.0 for the Seattle. I know I'm going out on a limb here, but uh, you're not going to have someone having that level of production next to him, I don't think. And that's just going to be even more for him. That's just sort of like Roquan, the guy in the middle on a bad team that we've seen do it before. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you when you look at Jordan Brooks, and he was a guy that, you know, we mentioned a couple of years, you know, yeah, last year I think was a guy you brought up as somebody you thought could, could develop. He, I mean, he looks the part. He's produced well. And, and you think he now becomes kind of the de facto LB1 and uh, – I have no concerns with this guy being your LB1 from a fantasy perspective. If, if this is who you're rolling with as your top guy into the season, I, I feel very comfortable with it. You know, he's no, he's shown signs that he can manage the entire defense just fine. He's had no problems doing his assignments. You don't see him missing, taking plays off. I mean, everything you want to see in your top linebacker, it, no concerns. I mean, you guys nailed it. So, Let's talk about the guy that did leave because he had actually next up on our list. He went a little bit further south from Seattle to L.A. and, and is now a Rams linebacker. That's Bobby Wagner. This guy's obviously been a consensus top, you know, top 10 linebacker for what feels like a decade now. He's one of those guys that you really, you know, from a dynasty perspective, you were building your rosters around for a long time. And from a redraft perspective, if he was your plug and play one, you have no issues. And obviously us having him here at what is this five? We still feel like he is, you know, is that guy and can still be that guy. And and with players like Von Miller out of LA, you know, there should be no no issue with him being their number one linebacker. Craig, I'll kick it to you first. So I know they have guys like Ernest Jones and some young guys they like. You still feel like Bobby Wagner's gonna be a, a high level producer. I know that you have him ranked highest on on our consensus rankings. Yeah, I have him at four. four? Yeah. And so if you just look at Bobby Wagner himself throughout his career, his lowest combined tackles is 104, and that's when he only played 11 games back in 2014. He's gone over 100 combined every year since his rookie year. 
uh, when I think he was defensive rookie of the year. He's he's just one of those guys that knows how to play a linebacker and is going to get you tackles. He's smart. He knows how to put other people in position. He knows how to lead a defense. And he's not even going to have to necessarily lead a defense. You know, he may have the dot, may not. But Aaron Donald, we know who resigned, is going to be the heart and soul of that Rams defense. And that Rams defense is set up to funnel stuff to those linebackers on the inside. We have seen guys like Corey Littleton, Troy Reader, you know, there's a, Mike a Kaiser, all sorts of just guys that are great. They sort of get that production by default is a term I picked up from our friend uh, Gary, the IDP tipster. But it really is where you can just plug and play anyone in there, it seems, and they're going to get you just bunches of tackles because of how that defense is run. And now you take a guy, yes, he's a little bit older, but of Bobby Wagner's caliber. Again, I just read off the numbers not that you know long ago, you know, he had 130 combined tackles or something like that last year, next to a guy that had you know 50 more or something like that. He's going to eat tackles up on this defense again. So I have zero concerns in the redraft league about having him in there, especially they're going to play him with that contract that they gave him. And it looks like Brad ducked out. Kidding. He said he had uh, storm issues, but Austin, you uh, had Bobby Wagner on your list as well. You had him at six. So how are you feeling? Or yeah, six. I can read. It's six. How are you doing? Uh, you, uh, you think he's coming back? I don't know, but we're still alive. So we're <laughs> real with it. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. So yeah, man, Bobby Wagner being fifth on the list, I don't hate it. When you look at what the Rams did last year, like like you said, I actually in a lot of my dynasty and fantasy leagues, I was plugging and playing some of those guys that were on that Rams defense. I ended yeah. up and drafting Ernest Jones late, just kinda hoping that he would, you know, get an opportunity because that defense really didn't have that de facto number one mm-hmm. linebacker on their team. But I do think that you look at what they were trying to do. You know, they obviously brought in Von Miller last year. It looked like they were searching for someone to take that on. Obviously Von Miller, you know, played a lot off the edge. He's yep. more effective from there. And, you know, I think that the Rams just adapted to that, to what they had, but they did show, you know, they, they weren't worried about rolling linebackers in and out of that defense. And they really didn't have consistent play last year. And I think it's something that you talked about how to lead a defense, but I think from this perspective, one thing I would say that he would add is, you know, besides the leadership and the the veteran presence, you know, this is a defense that's sort of already kind of got veteran pieces in place. But one thing I will say is, you know, that he brings his confidence, confidence that, you know, he's going to be able to go in and do his job. And that's one less person that these guys around him have to worry about. And so, you know, in that regard, I think he makes the defense better as a whole for sure. And, and he definitely, his presence is definitely going to make a positive impact on that defense, which was already pretty talented last year. So I expect to take them I expect to see them take a big leap. And I think that Bobby Wagner is going to be an integral part of that, you know, for redraft purposes, for sure. You know, you said he's, he's been productive every single year at a very, very, very high level. As long as he's on the field, his usage is going to be high and he should be extremely productive. So I have no concerns for Bobby Wagner, really. I mean, other than, you know, age and, and, what's the wear and tear look like this season compared to seasons past? You know, it's, it's funny how quickly things can change for these guys, especially it's a violent game and they play one of the most violent positions on the field. So you never know, but as long as he's healthy and good to go, I, I expect Bobby Wagner to be one of the top producing linebackers in redraft for sure. He's, he's a a perfect guy to, to slide in right there at number five. 
All right, well, we're going to keep going through our consensus list, and we don't have a pretty graphic with Brad Speed cutting out, but I'll let you know if you're catching up again. We had Roquan Smith, Micah Parsons, Darius Leonard, Jordan Brooks, and then Bobby Wagner were our top five. So getting into the back half of our top five at six, we have Devin White, and we had him at five, right ahead of Bobby Wagner. Brad had him the highest at number three, and uh, possibly controversially, I did not have him in my top 10 here. So I'll comment on him after uh, you go ahead and say your piece, Austin, since you had him a little bit higher than I did. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to hear, you know, what happened there. Although I kind of probably already have an idea. It felt last year like Devin White. So heading into last season, I was a big fan of Devin White. I liked how he played. He... I remember watching him when the Tampa, when the Buccaneers were playing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, because I'm a Chiefs fan, so I'm watching the game, and no disrespect to Tom Brady, great quarterback, but I was watching the game, and something that I said out loud was, Devin White is, to that defense, what Patrick Mahomes is to Kansas City's offense. And you just, I mean, you could see it. And then last year happened, and... I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know if it was schematic, if it was, if there was some discord, you know, I don't know, dissension in there in the locker room on that defensive side of the football. I, I really don't know what happened. You know, some, we still had some guys who were really productive. Like Shaq Barrett was really productive last year. I was very pleased with him, but yeah, it just seems like Devin white just kind of, I don't know what happened to him. If he's just, but he seemed lost. He seemed a little bit out of place and it definitely didn't get that same energy and that same electric feel watching him play last year as you did, you know, in, in, in 2020, whenever he was just tearing the league up. I don't know. I could see, see moving him down the list, kind of like Darius Leonard. He's kind of right now, his trajectory is kind of going downwards. It feels like versus some of these other guys whose trajectory is still, you know, very much upwards. So him being at six, yeah, I, I think he's there because you know he is still athletic. We still have seen him do some things that we know make him a good linebacker. But I definitely see there are some holes that in his game, and there's some things that need, some questions that need to be answered for me before I can confidently say that he's going to be an elite uh, linebacker and an elite IDP presence again. So he's still very high on my list, but you know. We got to figure it out with Devin White. What are what are your thoughts? I'm curious. Yeah. So, uh, full disclosure, he's probably the linebacker I have rostered the most out of these guys. So it's not like I don't like Devin White. Last year, for reference, it's over on the website. But if you use like the Roto Heat scoring that we do reference, he was linebacker 16, and that was excluding the edge type players, which is the same sort of thing we have in this list. You know, like a TJ Watt or a Shaq Barrett and so on. Tampa isn't going to show up on one of these lists because those are edge players leagues that have those designations. These are sort of more your inside type of guys. If you go back to that 2020 season uh, when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, uh, he had his best season in terms of not only tackles, but those stats that I kind of referenced with Micah Parsons when we talked about him. He had nine sacks, 15 tackles for a loss. The other two seasons, which would have been his rookie year and this past season, he had six and 12 combined for sacks and tackles for a loss. So it felt like that year that just, you know, second year, the year they won the Super Bowl, he was a 
or just for a top five guy all over the place. It was really boosted by those extra stats that I'm not trying to discount, but I also just, you know, after I read off, you can't count on that same high level of production every year. There's going to be some sort of, you know, median that these people sort of fall back to. And I think that's probably the sort of sweet spot for Devin White is sort of what we're seeing as a low end LB1 or a back end, excuse me, high end LB2. We kind of saw last year, and that's kind of what I'm predicting as long as Levante David's the year. Uh, Levante David, I think, is one of the most underrated linebackers in all of fantasy football. The guy just produces year in and year out, and he's still going to be there for this year and probably next year. So I do think that caps him. But that year that everyone just got so excited year two about Devin White, I don't think we're going to consistently see that, and that's why he just didn't meet my top ten here because I don't think he has it upside with the current situation to reproduce those stats and then having someone else eat into the tackles with Levante David. You know, he's he's in that next group of probably five after my top ten. And yeah. Brad, the guy that has him the highest here, who didn't hear anything that we said, so yeah, would you agree with all that, all, Brad? Brad? You're all absolutely <laughs> wrong. Devin White is a beast. No, sorry about that. They were right. We're getting 80 mile per hour wins over here. So oh, things man. are going in and out a little bit. So Devin White for me, I think I put him up here more because the anticipated growth, the expected growth. Yes, you're absolutely right on the Levante David. You know, he's kind of been, I don't want to say cannibalizing Devin White more than anything. It feels like it is. But for Devin White, it's it's what I kind of anticipate him getting to you know, this defense is kind of changing over a little bit. Some of the older guys are aging out, you know, and, and I anticipate Devin White. You know, you kind of, for me, it's a projection. I, I see what he could be, and I anticipate him doing it. So this guy was a little bit more of a, I think he's going to be in the top, you know, kind of five to seven range for linebackers. So I put him up there because of what I expect from him this year. Could I be absolutely wrong? Yes. We only know about half of what we really think we know. Uh, so anyway, so this could be the half that I have no idea about, but I do think he's got the talent to be up in there as one of the top linebackers. And so this is my Austin personal preference pick of this group. You know, it's it's I think he's going to be there. So I put him up there. Could you make the case that the guys behind him could produce better this year? Sure. Could I make the case that he produces better than some of the guys that he's behind? Sure. You know, but. With Levante David there still, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, but I think he has the talent to be able to do it. And obviously, Austin added many, many words of wisdom to that that comment as well, or that conversation as well. So now we're on to Blake the Snake Martinez, right? Or is that Jake the Snake Roberts? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, that's Jake and uh, Rock Sport there. <laughs> so, sport. so Blake Martinez, I actually didn't have him ranked in my top 10. Uh, so I'm going to give this one over to Craig because Craig has him ranked high in his top 10. You know, he's got him at, was a six? So, Craig, you started off. What do you love about Blake Martinez? What do you think is going to make him a top 10 producer this year? So he's uh, done it consistently throughout his career. He's just been a tackle machine, and they really don't have anyone else there in terms of what I consider to be, you know, close to a high-end linebacker to eat into his production, and I think they are going to have a better defense improved around him, especially in terms of pass rushers. I don't think Aziz Ojolari or Kevin Thibodeau are going to be at a high risk of getting a whole bunch of tackles from him. He's sort of going to be that guy you know, leading the middle of that defense on – I don't know that it's going to be as bad as last year, but you know, still I don't think a good Giants offense, so I think the defense is going to be on the field a lot, and there's clearly teams – if you sort of look at schedule and that sort of stuff, teams that like to run, 
you know, the Cowboys, they've committed to Zeke. And, you know, for all the faults and crap he gets out there, they're still running the ball a lot there in Dallas. They've reiterated that they want to. Of course, Philadelphia, they probably won't run as much. But even if they have a little bit of a reduction in run volume, they're going to be running a ton. And the same thing with Washington, with who knows what's going on there. But they keep adding running backs, so they've said they want to be running the ball. So he's going to be in a situation where he's going to be on the field a lot. He's going to have a lot of chance for tackles. And assuming he's healthy, I think we're seeing another top 10 year out of him easily. Austin, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I have him at seven. And I mean, looking at the list and the three guys that we have ranked below him, he seems like he's going to be the guy that's going to have the most prevalent presence on that defense as a tackler and a run stopper. He's definitely a kind of guy that's probably going to have that for sure, you know, tackle numbers kind of like to Craig's point, like until he shows me that he's not going to do that, I am going to continue to believe in Blake Martinez just because I like the way he plays. I like the way that he's going to be used. I like the pieces around him. I thought, you know, I drafted a lot of the those pieces. Like I drafted Ojolari quite a bit, almost everywhere I could last year. And, you know, I would do the same for Blake Martinez this year, just because, you know, when you have guys around you who can help you, it, it, it is still helpful. Like, Yes, it kind of changes the way they're doing things. And yes, you know, he's going to have, you know, some of that production taken from him and placed into other areas. But, you know, Blake Martinez is going to be that consistent like middle of the defense linebacker, going to rack up the tackles. He does, you know, historically he's done well in coverage, not bad. Um, you know, so for me, I, I really like Blake Martinez. And again, from an athletic standpoint, he's fine. I mean, he's not, you know, what some of these – you know, top three, four guys are, but he's, you know, as long as he can get back and be healthy, he should be fine. He should see the production that he needs to be a shoe in for a top 10 linebacker this year. So for redraft purposes, I'm probably going to take a chance on him and try to grab him if I can. Yeah. I mean, a healthy Blake Martinez, you're what getting 120 to 140 total tackles, you know, combined with a couple sacks, maybe some pass breakups, because he grades out pretty well in coverage. You know, obviously last year he wasn't on the field, you know, uh, for for very much because that ACL injury. But uh, he's a sturdy, steady guy. This is the perfect type of redraft guy that you can wait till later to get, and then he slots in as your one of your top linebackers without any concern, right? Because people, you know, they do the "What have you done for me lately?" Especially in redraft. I was out for, with an injury last year. You know, this guy could be one of those under the radar type guys you grab and helps you get to a championship because you didn't have to draft him super early to get the the value there. So I'm I, I see what you guys are saying for sure. You know, I just put a couple I put a couple guys in there that are that are you know one that is a kind of up and down with injuries in a, in an injury spot on defense and uh, another one. Yeah, you know, I mean, kind of all kind of all very similar. So we'll go on to the next guy, which Logan Wilson from Cincinnati. Um, this guy's, you know, probably their, you know, easily the best linebacker in in the centerpiece of that that linebacking core. Craig, what uh, what do you love about him? I know you have him ranked uh, just above Austin. We have him at seven. Was it seven or eight? Yep. Yep, seven. Uh, so, what do you like so about him? In thirteen games, he still surpassed 100 combined tackles, and you know he had gotten hurt. He came on at the end of the year there, and then he was just amazing in the playoff run. That offense, I think if you can believe it, it's probably going to be even a bit better than it was last year. And I think the defense certainly is going to be better with the pieces that they have. You know, I think they have an improved secondary. They have an improved 
uh, you know, defensive line, uh, even from what it was last year, which was good. So he's it's going to be a sort of a similar situation where he's going to be the main guy in the middle. You know, Jermaine Pratt for you know getting some of that secondary production. He just you know doesn't grade out well, and he's just never going to be that guy. You know, he's not to the level of a Bobby Okereke to Logan Wilson's Darius Leonard, if you want to make a comparison that way. So I'm looking forward to him taking another step last year. There's a lot of good news coming out about him sort of taking over as you know the leader in the middle of that defense. And you know, for a young guy that didn't play very much at all his rookie year to come out and do this and show that promise in a deep playoff run that a lot of people didn't expect. It's a good learning situation, and I'm excited for him. Okay. Austin. There's uh, a couple of things. I'll make this quick. So there's sure. a couple of things. The, so in the Super Bowl last year, the Super Bowl has changed if Logan Wilson doesn't get called for the what I think was a phantom pass interference call on Cooper Cup. I thought you look at that play and you look at who Logan Wilson was as a player at that time. He got called for the pass interference, but that was a great play. And I was a big fan of Logan Wilson's last year. I'm going to continue to be a huge fan of his this year. What I will say is if you want to overdraft linebacker, you can go after those top four guys. But if you're in redraft or even in dynasty and you want to cash in on the best value player on this list, I'm going to coin Logan Wilson as that guy. I'm going to go coin Logan Wilson as the guy who, when everybody was drafting Jordan Brooks later last year, you're not going to be able to do the same with Jordan Brooks this year. Logan Wilson's going to have the same kind of trajectory, I think. I love Logan Wilson. I'm a huge fan. And Brad is frozen. Or I'm frozen. No, I think Brad's frozen. Okay. Oh, you you looked frozen, too. I was like, oh, man. That's practice. <laughs> That's practice uh, over the years. So we're going to be running out of time. we got some questions. Just want to go yep. over some names here in our final two. So we have Devondre Campbell, the guy in the middle for the Packers. And then we have Fred Warner, main guy in the middle, despite a couple other nice younger pieces with the San Francisco 49ers. Honorable mention, so to speak, Brad had Deion Jones at seven. He didn't make the final cut. He had Cole Holcomb at nine. And then you and I are number 10 each. Didn't make the list. You had Denzel Perriman and C.J. Mosley. So, again, you're kind of seeing a trend here with the guys that we have here, sort of the main guy on either a team that is going to have a good offense that's going to put pressure on the opposing team. You know, Devondre Campbell showed up last year for the Packers. He was signed and just exploded. And that, despite them drafting Quay Walker, you know, Devondre Campbell's still going to be on the field a ton. Same thing with C.J. Mosley. They don't really have that sorted out. Perriman, you know, he's a holdover from last year's coaching regime but he showed out well going to the new spot right in the middle of training camp i think it was he got traded or cut i don't remember going from the panthers he never played a snap for him to the raiders and he had i believe it was his best year or one of them certainly for the raiders and then uh the only thing i want to say about brad and he can't uh, defend him here but with Deion jones the reason he didn't make my list and i didn't think about it was uh there's a lot of talk of him you know he had that shoulder surgery um, I believe it was shoulder, but it just popped up out of nowhere seemingly. And there's talk of him potentially getting cut because rumors of him not being a great influence in the locker room. And you hear all that sort of scuttlebutt on a young team. It seems like someone they might just move on from, uh, which would surprise me. But in today's NFL, someone would certainly take a shot on him if they wanted to trade him or if he was a free agent. Without really knowing what's going to happen with him, I just couldn't put him up there along with the injury. 
Yeah, being being where they are, the Falcons, if you can trade him and get, you know, substantial value for him, that's a team that has a lot of needs, a lot of needs. So it would make sense for them. And, you know, they have other linebackers they can plug in there. They got Michael Walker. They have Troy Anderson, who they just drafted. They signed Rashawn Evans. They have a veteran presence there if they decide to move on. So either way, you know, the linebacker group is one to pay attention to. But I just – yeah, I have that feeling that Deion Jones isn't going to be there. And if I don't know where he's going to be and who's around him and all that sort of stuff, I don't feel comfortable putting him in my top 10 right now. I think all those guys combined make less money than Deion Jones, too. All right, that sounds right. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> all right, well, we're going to wrap up the show here again. If you have any questions, let us know. These rankings are not published. We do not currently have redraft rankings published, but to run down them quick, our consensus top 10, Roquan Smith, Micah Parsons, Darius Leonard, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, Devin White, Blake Martinez, Logan Wilson, Devondre Campbell, and Fred Warner. If you have questions about where specifically any of the three of us had it, please let us know on Twitter. You can see our handles below, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions or jump into Facebook or Discord for Roto Heat, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction. So that's going to do it for the 2022 redraft inside basically linebacker rankings so thank you for tuning in we will be back next week and of course i forget what we're going to be going over but i think it's 2022 edge redraft yep. rankings yep it's edge. That's right so uh, there's not going to be anyone as a surprise on the top of that list it's going to be tj watt but for the rest of it you're going to have to tune in and see where people rank numbers spoiler two alert. for us yeah I mean, not much of a spoiler but you, if you're going to miss the first part of the show that's what you're missing well let you know that ahead of time but austin any final thoughts you want to add over our list of top 10 2022 redraft inside linebackers nope just want to say thank you to jaws for showing out in the chat tonight for bringing your questions we always appreciate the engagement the questions we love helping all you guys out even some of you guys if you were watching and you you know you weren't chatting with us and you were getting some knowledge that's awesome we love it i would love that you guys stopped in so you know Next week, we do have those edge rushers. It's going to be a great show. Hopefully help you guys out on some edge rushing rankings the next week for redraft. Other than that, see you guys then. All right, Brad. Hope you're safe wherever you are. We're going to be ending the show here. So everyone have a good night. Stay safe, and we will see you next week. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.